I uh, really want to bring a message to us as a family today because we're all in this together. This is all the, I guess, the body of, of Christ. This is the church the, about change. And you may go, oh, change again. I'm sorry about that. But I guess it's how we actually are positioning in ourselves of change because, you know, so much of life has changed. Some of it for the better, some of it for the worse. But I guess how we're positioning ourselves for change and how we engage with change actually means whether or not we're going to come out of this time of COVID-19 and lockdowns and society, um, you know, ups and downs, actually better, bolder, uh, brighter people, or we're going to come out of it more fearful and more worried. Uh, And I believe that it's certainly going to be the former. There are so many things which are changing, but I want to assure you right from the get-go, our God, he never changes he is the same yesterday today and forever and a goodness accompanies him at every single step that he takes with us every single breath that we take in him his goodness echoes right throughout our lives even in the worst times even in the darkest days you know it is that goodness that is actually uh, stepping us through and, uh, and revealing the beautiful qualities of our God in us, the beautiful qualities in people around us, or even just giving us the strength to be able to keep going on with things. I'd love to read with, from you, if I can, Psalm 103, because we talk about this good, good father, and it can be a real challenge if our earthly dads maybe haven't been a model of consistency or gentleness or even being present to us. And so, so often we actually see our heavenly father as an echo of our earthly father. And even those of us who have had fantastic dads, there is still that human element that our God, our heavenly, our creative father, isn't limited by. And so Psalm 103, I'd just like to read a couple of verses for you really begin to talk about this father that we can approach who is unchanged in a season of change in verse 8 it says 103 verse 8 lord you are so kind and tender-hearted to those who don't deserve it and so patient with people who fail you your love is like a flooding river overflowing its banks with kindness You don't look at us only to find our faults just so that you can hold a grudge against us. You may discipline us for our many sins, but never as much as we truly deserve. And and nor are you going to get even with us for what we've done. Oh, I can just relax. I'm going to keep reading though. Higher than the highest heavens, that's how high your tender mercy extends. Greater than the grandeur of heaven above is the greatness of your loyal love towering over all who fear you, meaning all who respect you and bow down before you. Father, from the sunrise to the sunset, that's how far you've removed our guilt from us. And the same way a loving father feeds, and sorry, have a loving father feels, feeds works, but feels towards his children, that's a sample of your tender feelings towards us, your beloved children who live in awe of you. You know all about us inside and out you are mindful that we are made of dust this is a father who does not change and how we actually are positioned for change is very much so uh, uh, concreted into the fact we have a firm foundation Matthew 7:10 speaks about a loving father who when children come to him and ask him for fish or for bread he doesn't give them bricks he doesn't give them snakes this is our good and beautiful God He doesn't change, but he's wanting our relationship 
with him to change. And I guess the question that we can ask together as a family this morning is, how comfortable are we then with a changing relationship with God? It's been said many times that that God loves us exactly as we are, but he loves us too much to leave us there. He's always wanting us to grow up, grow on, move up and move on in him, with him. And so that relationship needs to change. I've had the privilege of, of having five children and uh, you know some of them are now adult and married. I've still got a six-year-old kicking around at home and my relationship with them, the responsibilities that they carry, the opportunities that they can step out and step into are very different. My heart towards them is all the same, but my relationship relationship with those children as they have grown up has changed year after year after year are we willing to have our relationship with this loving consistently kind father continue to grow our relationship isn't if I do all these things you'll owe me if I behave if I do this if I share that if I invite someone then you've got to do something good for me Beloved, that's just the wrong identity. He's always wanting to do good things for for us and he doesn't owe us anything. We get just to stand and receive him, not work for wages. This relationship isn't about I want and I need and I have to have and I'm desperate and I'm pleading because that's actually coming from a very temporal and a very conditional component of our relationship. And I guess you can relax because I guess I've been through all those stages myself I've done all these things for you therefore you have to do all these things back for me you know I've grown up in that and my relationship with father God has changed I have this sense of I need this and I want that be it success or or I need someone to help me with this or I need the money to pay this bill and I've grown up and out of this sense of the temporal and the conditional into a place where I go you know what my relationship with my father now is at a place where I don't need to even ask for a whole bunch of stuff because I understand how valuable I am to him, uh, how much I am accepted just as I am in him and how he has called me to belong and to be one with him regardless of whether I've behaved myself this morning or not, regardless of whether or not I'm actually uh, growing or I'm actually having fear engage with my life. And I can tell you, friends, that that is his constant approach to you. You don't need to earn and work for his love. You don't need to uh, beg and plead for his provision. He loves you, he accepts you, and, and you are valued by him. And he's wanting to allow that to permeate how we are approaching him with problem and promise, how we are approaching him with a sense of how do I actually shine your light, your love and your truth? How do I forgive and how do I give? So I absolutely love that. Ephesians says this, and again I'm reading from the Passion Translation. Ephesians 2 says in verse 8, For it was only through his wonderful grace that we believe in him. Nothing we ever did could earn his salvation or earn this salvation, for it was the gracious gift from God that brought us into Christ, so that no one will ever be able to boast, for salvation is never a reward for good works or human striving. My relationship with him has had to settle into this truth and just receive this a reality that his grace, access through faith, has brought about my salvation, not about all the things that I do. 
I'll read one more verse. It says in verse 10, we have become his poetry. Some of the other translations mean we are his workmanship. A recreated people that will fulfill the destiny he has given each one of us. For we are joined to Jesus, the anointed one. Even before we were born, God planned in advance our destiny and the good works we would do to fulfill it. How good news is that? As we grow in our relationship with Jesus, this ever-constant, unchanging, gracious God, he wants to change us. It's said that he never changes, but everything he touches does. And my, my great testimony and my declaration over your life is that as God moves into your life, as we position ourselves for change, he is going to move us more and more into the destiny and the purpose that he has for you. You are here for a reason. We are saved by grace. Grace could be rendered as God's riches at Christ's expense. What Jesus gave for us upon that cross means that God has lavished his, the riches of heaven upon us and that is accessed through faith, not through works. And it is the goodness and it is his great joy to be able to be that supplier and be that, be that father for you. So we've got he, things change. God never does. He wants our relationships to change. And so how are we positioned and how are we focused to enable this change to actually um, be a reality for us and hopefully sort of pick up speed? Because, again, beloved, I know how many times I've been round and round the mountain repeating the same thought process, repeating the same response mechanisms, and I keep getting the same uh, result every single time. And so I want to be a person who is able to be changed in God, by God, and how do I position and how do I focus in on that? I've got in my notes here, and I love this picture, that life can be like a, sometimes a very ill-fitting jumper or garment. It's scratchy around the neck, it's too tight underneath our arms, and we can't raise our hands, we can't do some of the things that we want to do because our mind is focused on our life too much as opposed to his life in us. I hope this is making sense. So uh, this sense of how we position in, uh, in his love and in his promises, his call for us and how we're actually spending time with him, listening to his voice and saying, what is, what is it that you want me to be doing today? What is it that you want me to be doing with this gift? And as I focus on his life in me, not on my life for me, I actually get to take off this ill-fitting garment, which as I said, is, is sometimes just too tight and, and itchy and I get to step into his life. Proverbs 23 verse 7 says this, for as he thinks within himself so he is. He's talking about a stingy and a, and a begrudging man who's buying you a meal. He's, he's saying you know what, he, this, this stingy man says go ahead and eat what you want but in his heart he's resenting having to pay for your meal. Sometimes that's what a selfish life, a life which I have made all about me, either I'm self-righteous, I'm, I'm, uh, I justify my actions or I'm purely trying to get my own needs met. I go there all the time, thank you Jesus for your friendship and kindness towards me. But this, this life that I've created is stingy and is going, listen, you can have all of that and go ahead and eat up, but it doesn't really mean it. It's always wanting to come back and be selfish and self-centered. 
in the in the Passion Translation, it's got a rendering of how this statement actually reads in the original Aramaic. So, for as, for as he thinks within himself, so he is. He will grudgingly say, go ahead and eat all that you want, but his heart resents the fact that he has to pay for your meal. The, the Passion says it, like, it is like eating with someone with a hair in his throat. His mind is not with you. What a fantastic picture. That when, it, when we actually make our lives about ourselves, when we position and our, we focus on just having my need met and how can my wife or my kids or my government or my world look after me it's like I've got a hair in my throat and while I can say good things and I can try and do good things I'm constantly coming back and focusing in on myself Colossians 3 verse 2 says this set your mind on things above not on earthly things this is this uh, Romans 12 2 talks about be transformed through the renewing of my mind. Um, 2 Corinthians 5 says, I'm a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. So there has been this beautiful and glorious and complete exchange, a dead body for a new one. But, but Paul and through Paul, the Lord Jesus is exhorting us to go set your mind on things above, renew your thinking about who I am, who you are, and the destiny that I have prepared for you to walk in, in order that you are not going to be focusing in on the hair on your throat. So you can be kind to someone, hoping that you're not just saying, I hope I get something back because I've been kind for you. We can give, we can be generous, we can lavish our love, our thanks, we can bring our tithes and offerings into the house, not going, I'm going to give to the church because I'm going to get something back it's a down payment plan but so that I can actually go I'm giving because it's my act of worship and it's and I love my God and he has already given me so much my mind is in heavenly places and I've been seated with him Ephesians 2 verse 6 says God has raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms (sighs) things are changing But when I'm seated with him and when my mind is with him, regardless of what is going on in this temporal world, in this earthly world, in this kingdom of men, the kingdom of God is unchanged. When my mind is with him and when I'm seated with him, he actually gets to say it doesn't matter if you are changing. In fact, the mission is that I'm changing you into my likeness. You can just rest in me and I am unchanging. And we then get to position ourselves, change our mind and actually start thinking like him, reading his word and taking him at his word. I I hope that's uh, making some sense today. We, uh, we've been telling a story in our church about a young woman called Sarah. Sarah's 23 years old, the same age as actually my oldest daughter. And just at the beginning of this COVID-19 outbreak and going into lockdown, the world was thrown into utter confusion. So was Sarah's life. Her husband um, and her went in to see uh, an oncologist and she got the report that she had bowel cancer. And bowel cancer had already um, had such a dramatic impact on Sarah's family generationally. So this news was was epic news. Even for a healthy, vibrant, um, Jesus-loving young woman, the historical components of, of being diagnosed with bowel cancer it was enormous. And I sat with, uh, with Sarah on the phone and I asked her this question. I said, 
when you and Andrew stood at the altar, they're only newly married, had God promised you, had God given you a sense in your life that you were going to have children? Was that part of the destiny that he had for you? And she said, absolutely, we've always dreamed about children. We knew that that was something that God had planned for our life. Her life had changed enormously. She gets this, this, gets this terrible diagnosis and here she is saying, no, I am going to stand on the promises of God because he has given me a promise for children. I got to say to Sarah, I get it. You know what? The promise here is that, you know what? Um, you are going to have children because God has birthed that in your heart. And the beauty is that you are going to live through this cancer because dead girls don't give birth to beautiful babies. And we were able to stand in that. We prayed about that. It wasn't the fact that there was no fear, that there was no anxiety. But Sarah set her mind and her heart on an unchanging God whose promises are the same. And we simply celebrated on Thursday night that Sarah, she had surgery. We just are so thankful for all of our frontline workers, for our doctors, for our medical teams, uh, and for their ability to give us a diagnosis and intervene medically but we understand that it's God who carries the prognosis and on Thursday night we celebrated the fact that there is zero cancer in her body and the promises of children and a normal life still remain the same as they did simply five weeks ago. Isn't that just fantastic news? See the thing is that Sarah's life has changed, our lives have changed but God has not changed. And so we've been saying this as a church and I'd love to give you this statement and you know what, I would even encourage you in the statements, in the comments bar right now if, as you are watching online, why don't you start to, to write this up saying, he is with me in the middle. You can even type that in, Jesus is with me in the middle. Why don't you declare that over your pain, over your problems, over your predicaments? Why don't you declare that over your promises that haven't yet been fulfilled? Jesus is with me even in the middle. We've been talking about life changing. We've been talking about the constancy of God. We've been talking about uh, all the ups and downs and how we position ourselves to stay consistent in him. And I believe that one of the things that I've been able to do more than any other is just be a man who makes declarations because God watches over his word in order to perform it. In Jeremiah 1, God has given Jeremiah all these crazy visions and he says, what do you see? And Jeremiah begins to say, this is what you're doing and this is what you're going to do. And God says this, he says, you've seen clearly because I watch over my word in order that it would be fulfilled, in order that it would be accomplished. God has got a word over your life, my friends. And he is watching over it to see that it is being fulfilled and he is with you even in the middle. Even if you feel like so much is changing, he is with you in the middle. He has a word for you. He has a promise for you. His presence for your life is as real now online, just as it is if we were standing in, a, in an auditorium together with all the atmosphere. You just need to take him at his word and anchor yourself into his goodness, which is unchanging.